Welcome to the Layman's Homily Podcast. I'm Tony Darienzo, and alongside me is a guest co-host, my roommate, Christian Legarbo. Hey, how's it going? In this week's episode, we'll be talking about temptation. How do we define it? Is it always a bad thing, or can it be a good thing? And what are some practical ways to fight it? All this, and more, on Layman's Homily. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, we have a packed show for you, so we'll dive right in. This week, like I said in the intro, we have a, as a guest host, guest co-host, my roommate, Christian Legarbo. So let's start with uh, Christian. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, how's it going? I'm Christian Legarbo. What good things should I say about myself? Um, I'm a graduate student here at Georgia Tech. That's how I got to know Tony, living in midtown Atlanta with him. I'm studying biomedical engineering, hoping to do some work with that down in Louisiana, where I'm from. And uh, I spent two years working as a focus missionary in Missouri. So here I am. That's me. There we go. Mm-hmm. All right. So now let's uh, get into the topic of the day, temptation. So, mm-hmm. Christian, how would you define temptation? Yeah, a couple of things that, I don't know, when you asked me to do this podcast that I thought about initially when looking for the definition of temptation, first would be how most people define it, how most people look at it. Like if you meet Joe Schmo on the street, how he would say, oh, this is temptation. And I would say that probably looks more towards... um, just anything that's like attractive but in a bad way you know Mm -hmm. attractive but you don't want it to be attractive like you want it but you know you shouldn't want it and then I don't know in my actual preparation for this I was like well I better look at what temptation actually means Mm -hmm. and so when looking for stuff like that I usually like to go to the catechism Mm -hmm. and so for you listeners at home Kind of the section that I found that highlights this is 538 through 540. It talks about what we'll be talking about, Jesus' temptation in the desert. And it really goes into temptation as this external source of misguidance, almost, of taking people off the path. So that's kind of how I would look more at temptation. When I was looking at... um the definition for temptation. I uh, found this one. It's an enticement to disobey God's word. So mm. it's kind of like a blend of both of those definitions, the, right. the Joe Schmo on the street and mm-hmm. the catechism's definition, right? So it's an enticement to say, you know what? Eh, God's word, eh, meh, right. eh. Yeah. Well, it's like that word enticement, you know, mm-hmm. like what is enticing? It's very, yeah, it definitely strikes to like the emotional core. Of what temptation is yeah and like it looks different for every person right some things you know some people will find things more attractive than than others right right so speaking of sources what are some what are some sources of temptation yeah I mean nice transition because it really does go into like 
that every person sees everything different. I mean, when asking a question like, what is the source in your own life, you know, you have to reflect for yourself. But I think in a general sense, it's always good to start with what is the source, but also who is the source. Mm -hmm. And that's Satan. That's the adversary, the evil one. And kind of keeping that knowledge in mind I think for me, when I reflect on what things tempt me in my life, it's really, where is Satan trying to attack me, trying to get me to go astray from God's word? Because, you know, it's that passage in the Bible. He's like a roaring lion looking mm-hmm. for any weakness. Yeah. Where is that? First First Peter, I think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not that good. But, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the places where Satan has and is going to hit you the hardest Mm -hmm. to make you get off the path yeah so i I often like to think about three three sources right so one of those Mm. being satan like he's the ultimate source but Mm. then some other two like lesser sources i guess Mm -hmm. will be the flesh and the world yeah so if you think about i think the the parable the sower sort of talks about this a little bit too it's like you know you know satan comes and steals them away but then there's like you know, the pleasures of the world steal them away. Right. Too, right? Which can also sometimes be pleasures of the flesh. Hmm. And so these tie into, like, I think three three main sort of sins. Uh, van- vanity, vainglory, and pride. Hmm. So the flesh would sort of tie into vanity, like putting value on a thing that is not what its value actually is. Right. Um the world would be like more like fame sort of which is like vainglory vanity with respect to people so putting value on people that that is not what it's actually their actual value is hmm. like giving more value to like human praise than it actually is um and satan kind of attacks you know our pride Right. right, directly setting setting ourselves against the will of God. So that's more of a direct right. attack, right? Saying, and, that, and that's the root, right? Like you were saying, right. right? Directly setting myself against the will of God. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely looking at like the flesh, what comes from ourselves or the world, what other people around us kind of put in is really important because those things, I mean... We're always surrounded by them, always kind of fighting them. And yeah, I just love that you brought the parable of the sower into this because that really speaks to like when we look at temptation, how do we know if we're in good soil or rocky soil or we're going to be eaten by birds? You know, how do we, I mean, what makes our soil good? looking at that first is like where the roots where the rocks in our lives that are those sources of temptations Mm -hmm. yeah we'll talk about like how to get good soil in a bit and Mm -hmm. as we get further in dive further in right but is temptation always a bad thing that is tough and you presented this question to me when you told me about this podcast and I've been thinking about it and I still have a little bit of trouble thinking about how I want to answer it. And I think the best way that I've come up with is kind of like splitting it up. So 
in the Our Father, you know, lead us mm-hmm. not into temptation mm-hmm. is the line. It's all that. And I think it really becomes like facing temptation versus succumbing to temptation. Because succumbing to temptation is bad. Yeah. <laughs> like from the definitions we've given, you know, what we've talked about a little bit before this, I mean, succumbing to that temptation, that's the turning away from God, that's sin. But just facing temptation, even being led into temptation, I would say it's difficult, but not necessarily bad. It becomes good or bad, depending on our reaction to it. It kind of reminds me of um, The Great Divorce. Mm-hmm. Have you read that book by C.S. Yeah, Lewis? I have. It's a good one. Oh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, a lot of the characters in that book, they have these sins, these struggles, these temptations they face. And whether they overcome them and defeat them or they o- are overcome by them determines mm-hmm. whether they're good or bad, whether they strengthen that person or destroy them. I think temptation, yeah, just leads into that. It's a time of testing. It's like, is is a test good or bad? You know, Mm -hmm. it's bad if I didn't study for it. But if I ace it, oh, I love the test, you know? Yeah. Yeah, right. It gives us an opportunity to grow, right? Mm. So, you know, whenever you uh, pray like, hey, God, help me to grow in this virtue. Well, it'll give you an opportunity to to grow in that virtue. (laughs) It'll give you... Like a test, right? Yeah. And then we can either be like, okay, here we go. And we're doing it. Or, you know what? I'm not ready for this. I'm just right. going to... Yeah. And I know we all fall short in several ways. We're all bo- on both ends of that spectrum. Yeah. We never get the test that we would have made for ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is just like school. If you make the test yourself, you'll probably do good on it. But when it's given to you by the teacher... That's whether you when you figure out whether you really know your stuff mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. See, when I think about this question, I think about the book of book of Job, where mm-hmm. God allows Satan to do all these inflict all this suffering on Job, right? As sort of like a test, right? Will will Job like still be like a faithful servant to God or not in the midst of all this suffering, which he hasn't done anything wrong, right? Right, but it's still this this test, right? Will he pass it or not? And ultimately, spoiler alert, he does pass. Oh, I'll be honest, I haven't read it. Oh. <laughs> I did know the ending, so you didn't spoil it too much. But it's uh, yeah. But would highly recommend reading the Book of Job as well as, of course, the rest of the Bible. Yeah, I mean, getting into Job's story, I was watching this video by this channel, Inspiring Philosophy. They're pretty good, too, what they do. And he goes into the book of Job because the guy who ran the channel, he had a lot of problems with it, which I think a lot of people can among initially looking at it. Like, God just gives Satan the power to destroy this man's life? What's up with that? But he really brings it into this perspective of Job had a lot of good things, and he did a lot of good things but his relationship with god wasn't where it should be and he brought up examples of how job prayed to god and he talked to him and he's like oh god 
I did all these things. I told my kids to do all these things so that they wouldn't be destroyed, but they don't listen to me. And it really becomes this language of doing, mm-hmm. of God, I'm doing these things. I say my prayers at the right time. Why don't, why are bad things happening to me? And we ourselves can ask the same questions a lot. But then when you look at other people in the Bible, in the Old Testament, like Abraham or Moses, they don't say like, oh God, I've done this and that. I should get this or that. They say, they look at it from more of a relational perspective. Even David, Mm -hmm. who had so many temptations, failed in them, story of Bathsheba. But he, what is the quote? It's, he was a man after God's God's own own heart. heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we need. And so I won't go too much into that because we're going to get into fighting temptation. But I think that starts to get at that point of what it means to fight temptation. Yeah. So you bring about bring up King David and his mm-hmm. temptation with you know seeing Bathsheba on the rooftop there. Right. Um, where where are some other examples of seeing temptation both either being succumbed to or fought off um, in Scripture? I mean. Honestly, I kind of want to stick with the story of David. (laughs) I just, I love King so much. I love the story of King David. I think another part of his story that people don't look at a lot, as much like Bathsheba, that's the classic one, and then David and Goliath, another classic. Mm -hmm. But I think a really interesting one that really goes into the failure of David and the consequences that has for him and the rest of Israel is the story of his son Absalom. So -hmm. do you know a lot about that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just like there's this strife in between David's family members, his different children, and he doesn't address it in the way that he should, either as a king like with justice or as a father with love basically i won't get into it too much but one of his children sins against another one of his children Mm -hmm. and he doesn't really do anything about it he's just like oh let's try to make up you know and forgiveness is always a good thing but you also have to redress wrongs and he didn't do that Mm -hmm. so his son absalom is like you didn't take care of this, so now I am. And it just quickly escalates into this whole thing of now Absalom is taking the place of David. And so bringing this back into temptation, you know, there's this, there's always a temptation for us to kind of take the easy way out. Mm-hmm. And I think this speaks less to the sensual temptations like Bathsheba did and more into those like worldly temptations of I want everybody to be happy and I want to make that happen Mm -hmm. and it really goes into like when we let these temptations take us turn us away from God it really takes us out of the place that we're supposed to be and this ends up in David getting like kicked out of his kingdom and losing Absalom in the end and it's just it's so heartbreaking but it's the story of King David is just beautiful because like I said at the end of it he was always a man after God's own heart and he always comes through in the end and that kind of speaks to even when we do fall to temptation there can be a turning back there is a turning back and that's what really has to happen afterwards yeah 
kind of like um, a few other examples in scripture um, that I wanted to bring up. Samson and Delilah. Oh, so good. So, right. So, Samson meets Delilah, right? He's tempted um, by her, like, in the flesh. Um, she, he, you know, they end up sort of having this thing. Mm-hmm. And then Delilah is trying to, to trick him into, like, giving away his, to breaking his vow. His Nazarite vow of, like, shaving I mean, his hair and Not touching and stuff. dead people. Yeah, so... Delilah's like, oh, Samson, tell me, where do you get your strength? And Samson, Samson lies to her, right? Oh, if you just bind me, then then I'll be weak, mm. right? He gives in. He's <laughs> like, I'm just going to be weak. And then and then she brings the, the Philistines on him, and, Sam, and she's like, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And Samson just rips out of the bonds. And she does this two more times and samson's like doesn't learn that she's trying to she's trying to trick him and then he Mm -hmm. ends up telling her the truth and the truth and then delilah cuts his hair and then samson's in prison gets his eyes gate gouged out and yeah that was uh not not very good but he comes back right his hair comes back his hair grows back and then he ends up Going out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> the pillars of the of the palace or the prison. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that definitely speaks to like A, kind of like again tied in with the story of David, how low we're brought when we give into that temptation. But I I just love the point of Yeah, he lied to her, gave into temptation a little bit, but he lied. He was like, I'm not gonna tell her the truth because I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't. And he fell for it. And then he did it again and again. And it's like, in our lives, how do we do something, get tempted by something, fall for it, repent, move on, get, be strong again, you know, break out the mm-hmm. binds. And then it's like, but I fall for it again. Yeah. You know, next week, next month, the same day sometimes. <laughs> and it's just like... It's very frustrating. Oh, absolutely frustrating. But again, it's one of those things. In the end, he breaks through again. He becomes strong again away from these temptations in the power of God. Yeah. Hmm. Um, then, of course, the classic example is the Garden of Eden in the oh, Old Testament. Yes. Right? Yes. So the, the first temptation in the Garden... Right, and so there are three things that that Eve Eve sees in the in the fruit. So she sees that it's good for food, mm. which is ties into that source of the flesh, this lust of the flesh, um, ple- that is pleasing to the eye. So it's you know this worldly, more worldly um, temptation, and then desirable for gaining wisdom, and that's more of like this pride. Um, putting like seeing the, the fr- wisdom from the fruit being better than the wisdom coming from God, which that's mm-hmm. more of a more of a satanic attack. So right, so these these three associate to the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, and these are the exact same three that Christ uh, counteracts. In the temptation when he's tempted in the desert, 
That's the gospel for this Sunday, in case yeah, you're wondering why we picked it. Back. <laughs> so yeah, so right, so this Jesus being tempted to turn stone to bread, right? The, this lust of the flesh, right? I need I need food. I'm pretty hungry, but Jesus says, "No, one does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes forth from the mouth of God." And then this lust of the eyes, people people seeing Christ being thrown down from the parapet and him being rescued by angels and jesus says no i don't want people to see see me for that i don't want this worldly fame um and then of course the last one i will give you these kingdoms if you worship me that's satan saying that to christ Mm -hmm. and jesus says uh no i will not worship you um because that's pride putting someone else in the place of god yeah those connections just become like so clear throughout the course of the gospel as like really to the core of our situation as fallen humans and Christ's plan for redemption. There's this book, The Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Mm-hmm. You've read it? I haven't read that one. I've oh. read a different Dostoevsky one. Oh, I want to. I want to read it. It's on They're my list. Long. They're all long and painful, and um, it's on my uh, ever-expanding uh, book list. list. <laughs> the temptation to read is just not there. Yeah, but he has kind of one of the most famous parts from the Brothers K is this section called the Inquisitor, and it's written by the older brother in the book, who is this like closet atheist, and so it has a lot of anti church and anti-catholic sentiment but Dostoevsky does this great job of pointing to Jesus's temptation in the desert and how each different temptation kind of speaks in another way to us as a church as a people and how we choose and why we choose to follow Christ and to be Christians And so kind of going into that, and I'm probably going to tie it more to like the Israelites and the followers followers of Jesus and his time, you know, the first thing is the bread. And what are some of the greatest miracles that Jesus did? It was the multiplication of the fish and loaves, Mm -hmm. right? And so we see after those miracles, Jesus get these huge number of followers, 5,000, 3,000, just thousands and thousands of people. But then we see when Jesus says, I can give you bread that'll last forever, and it's my flesh. And when he says that, everybody's like, no, I'm good. And they leave. All of his followers Mm -hmm. leave. He even asks his disciples if they're going to leave. Yeah. And so it's like that fleshly temptation. We're seeking these things, and it's good to seek things. It's good to desire things. But when we get the real deal... Mm-hmm. Are we willing to stay for it? Are we willing to go for it? And it's like a lot of people, the people that were following Jesus but didn't really know him, they weren't willing to stay. Mm-hmm. And kind of moving to the um, jump off the cliffs and the angels will catch you, you know, that was a real symbolism for power. And we see again the followers of Jesus, the Israelites in Jesus' time. They were waiting for this Messiah, but they were waiting for this Messiah to beat the Romans. Mm -hmm. They were like, when are we going to have this revolution? 
when are we going to have like a second Maccabean revolt? When are we going to become, when are we going to have a powerful and strong leader? So when Jesus comes and he's this like carpenter's son from Galilee, everybody's like, well, who's this guy? You know, he has a mom. He was a baby. Babies aren't even that strong. <laughs> and again, they're like, you're not the Messiah we're looking for. Sorry. And so again, it's that rejection of God does promise us great power, you know, power over demons, stuff like that, healing. But do we accept that instead of this worldly power mm-hmm. that, you know, the world entices to us? Yeah. And then lastly, you know, Satan promises all the kingdoms of the earth. And that's, I don't remember who said this, but somebody, this isn't original to me, but it's really just a laughable concept because Jesus is God. He made everything. How is this fallen Lucifer going to come and say, I'll give you all of this. It's already his, you know? And again, the Israelite people, they like, they were the chosen people. They knew that. And they thought that meant kind of like this dominion over all the other nations. You know, they remembered, um, Moses and the Israelites, coming in and taking over and mm-hmm. setting up this nation they were like we're gonna have that again and when jesus said this dominion is gonna look like me dying on the cross it was like no even his closest disciples couldn't take it most of them ran away except for john and his mother mm-hmm. you know the women yeah and speaking of speaking of the cross um, i didn't mm-hmm. want to get to this um yes. when the Phar- the pharisees who are just kind of you know they're they're looking on at Jesus on the cross, right? And he's said all these, you know, things. He's claimed that he's the Messiah, right? right. Like he's claimed that he's God, and in his preaching, and the Pharisees are saying, "If you are the Christ, come down from the cross, and we'll believe in you." And it's kind of like, it's kind of like this, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. like these temptations, throw back to these temptations in the desert, right? Mm-hmm. You know, who like Jesus would Jesus wants to save souls, right? Right. But the way he was called to save souls is not, you know, by performing mm-hmm. acts for others, like for himself, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. But rather to do the Father's will, right? Mm-hmm. Like going to the Garden of Gethsemane for a second, like he pray, like that's what his prayer is, right? Not not my will, but Thy will be done. Right. Which is what we pray in the Our Father, right? Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Right, it's this humility, this attack, this uh, counteracting of pride, right? Which right. Satan is trying to tempt us with. It's like putting ourselves above God, and we're supposed, we should be saying, no. I mean, is you know, maybe our our plan is great, but it's nothing compared to God's plan. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the whole Our Father prayer is just line after line of us asking for things and then i've noticed this in my life i get them and i'm like oof you know like (laughs) forgive forgive the trespasses of others as they trespass against me or forgive my trespasses as i forgive the trespasses of others it's like gosh i'm really not good at forgiving i hope and thank god that he's better at forgiving than i am but yeah you know lead us not into temptation deliver us and thy will be done yeah it's definitely hard when 
my will just looks so good in the moment you know Mm -hmm. that probably is one of the deepest temptations it's like our own will our own way Mm -hmm. and then god's will just having us having to put that above it yeah speaking of prayer yeah like in the our father you know really very good prayer obviously jesus gave Mm -hmm. it to us um what are some practical things that we can do to fight off temptation i think the most important thing and what i've kind of seen in my life is just like reflection think Mm. of it you know i took a trip to ireland this one time i think it was scotland there's this castle and it's a great castle and they were like it's never gonna get in there you know nobody's ever gonna take us the english come and they find this small ravine up the side and they're able to take the castle and so kind of in the same way satan is looking to get inside of our castle And he's witty, but I wouldn't say he's exactly creative Mm -hmm. in the fact that he's going to do what works. And so we have to look at our castle, our interior castle, if you will, and say, where are my weak points? Where's the cliff edge that Satan can come in and attack me, overtake me? And I think the most useful thing for that that I found is an examination of conscience at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, in the middle of the day, any of those things, where I go through my day and I look at where did I fall? Where did I fail? How can I build up my defenses in those areas so that the next time this temptation comes along, I'll be prepared, I'll be better prepared. And so those are things we can do, but you know, obviously at the same time, the most important thing is that prayer. You know, lead us not into temptation. Give us the graces, the virtues that when those temptations arise, we can fight them, whatever that mm-hmm. may be. Yeah. So speaking of like trying to find like our weak points, mm-hmm. um, getting rid of near occasions of sin. Right. Right. Jesus talks about this in, in scripture, right? If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Pluck it out. Now, does that mean that we're, we're literally supposed to pluck it out? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. But we're supposed to, like, root things out of our lives that um, cause us to sin. For instance, right, if you are addicted to pornography, just as an example, um, and, you know, what what device do you watch it on? Well, set up, set some protections on it. Right. Or, or something like that. Yeah, asking the questions of what do I have to do to get rid of this part of my life? that's making things difficult for me Mm -hmm. yeah and especially just something like pornography that is so widespread kind of like endemic in our society there are also ways that this can like affect the chemistry of the brain and so Mm -hmm. i think it's important as we look at temptation in our lives and things like that it's kind of also recognizing that if i've been failing in a way for a long time if I've been struggling with this, it can take a while and it can be, and it probably will be difficult. And it's this process. Sometimes Jesus frees us from things very easy, very expediently. That's his grace. That's his love for us. And other times he wants to take us kind of through the desert, through the journey of what do I have to get rid of just to make a little bit progress of 
fighting this temptation mm -hmm. of being a little bit stronger for the next time it comes. And it's kind of one of those things. I mean, yeah, some people get it like that. And some people really have to fight for their whole lives. But it's about making the journey to be closer to God. And that's what brings us to sanctity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another thing that I think of for fighting off temptation is leaning on leaning on the saints and the angels, like asking mm -hmm. for their intercession. Right. Um, especially... We're trying to ward off demons and Satan. Like yeah. the, the people, the beings that he hates the most, the guardian angels, mm -hmm. right? Even your even like your tiny little guardian angel, <laughs> the the smallest of the small guardian angels, right? right? Lowest rank of angels, he's still he's still more powerful than Satan. Because right. he he's on the side of God and Satan is not. Mm -hmm. So guardian angels, um, Saint Michael the Archangel, right? He's, he he uh, wards off Satan, like in Scripture, right? We see it in Revelation right. um, chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12. Um, St. Joseph, mm. patron of the podcast. Right. What uh, is a terror of demons? Yeah, terror of demons. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a title like that, I mean, of course, you want to lean on him against um, demonic uh, temptations. Right. And then course the blessed virgin mary um who crushes the head of the serpent mm -hmm. um in a lot of catholic art you you can see mary crushing the head of the serpent and which is a representation of satan so right yeah so those, those four blessed virgin mary saint joseph saint michael and your guardian angels mm -hmm. yeah and it's about like praying to them like friends you know, being very intimate in those ways and with Jesus and with God, it's like, that's your support structure. That's what's going to get you through to the next level of your healing, of your journey against these temptations. Yep. So, I'm talking about saints, and that's going to lead us into the Cloud of Witnesses segment. We have, for this week, we have a few saints. Saints Felicity and Perpetua are celebrated on March 7th. Um, so a lot of the stuff that we know about these two saints comes from the diary of St. Perpetua herself, um, which was you know, written in the early, early period of the church, like the 200s um, AD. So these are early Christians in Carthage, Africa. Um, Perpetua was of noble birth, but Felicity was a slave girl. Um, and so one of the, one of the big quotes from or most iconic quotes from the diary is Perpetua talking to her father. Um, her father's asking her, like, why are you doing this? Why are you becoming a Christian? Like, like you're going to get killed and whatever, right? Um, Perpetua says, see that pot lying there? Can you call it by any other name than what it is? Her father answered, of course not. Perpetua responded, neither can I call myself by any other name than what I am. A Christian and so eventually she's arrested and thrown in with three with four other Christians one of those being Felicity and at the time Felicity was pregnant like eight months pregnant um, and she wanted to be martyred with her friends but in Roman times it was legal to execute pregnant women because they didn't want to kill the child mm -hmm. which is interesting when you contrast that to uh, modern America today yeah 
Hmm. Um, Perpetua, actually, she was a like a very new mother too. Like she had a baby, um, like who was only like a f- couple of years old or something, and and she didn't really get to. She only got to see him a few more times while she was in prison before they were thrown thrown uh, to the wild beasts. Um, but so back to Felicity, she ended up giving labor before the day of martyrdom of her martyrdom so that she could be martyred with her, with her friends, um, including St. Perpetua. Um, and so, like I said, they were thrown to the wild beasts in the arena in Carthage, not the Roman Colosseum. Um, but Perpetua and Felicity were unharmed by the beasts. The other Christians were killed by the beasts, but they weren't, Perpetua and Felicity were not. Um, so they were thrown back in and were martyred by the gladiators. And so their names are inclu- are included in the Roman canon, uh, Eucharist, which is Eucharistic Prayer 1. So if you, you know, you sometimes hear that at Mass, you know, the, the, long, the long one, uh-huh. you know, with all the saints' names, Linus, Letus, Clemens, Clement, Sixtus, blah, 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 whatever. Um, yeah, so their names are included in that. Yeah, I just think that's beautiful. Like, at this time, when the church was so young and being persecuted so harshly, the church chose to elevate most, like, excellently to being even placed in the Mass. These two young girls who became friends in, like, prison, in, like, the time of their greatest distress... And it's just an example of like our strength doesn't come from our position or our muscles or our money, whatever that is. Our strength comes from our love of God and our recognition of who we are. And again, I think that kind of relates to like temptation. Your strength isn't going to come from just like your, oh, so, you know, excellent, whatever, whatever. It's going to come in its deepest source from God, our relationship with him and our recognition of who we are. That's where like the lasting strength comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I like it. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're coming from different backgrounds and yet they're both thrown in together. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty, pretty Neither amazing. Jew nor Gentile, man nor woman, slave nor free. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that's those they are celebrating on March seventh. So, yeah, if you get a chance, read the Diary of Saint Perpetua. Um, that's something that's on my list um, of ever expanding uh, books, <laughs> just read. like Brothers K. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then the other saint that we want to talk about this week is Saint John of God. We celebrate on March eighth. So he was known for his impulsive charity. He'd often would uh, serve others without really thinking about the cost to himself, right? He'd just go out and do thing, do things. Like, he sees somebody in the street who's, like, needs help. He's just going to run over there and help, even if it, you know, breaks his back or something, mm-hmm. right? So, but he didn't, he didn't start out that way. He started out as a farmer. Um, but then he felt pressure to marry, you know, someone he loved as a sister, um, he was like adopted by this family and you know the the girl and the family like they wanted the parents wanted him to marry her 
And he was like, uh, I don't like, I don't love you that way. I don't love her that way. So I'm going to run away. And he became a soldier in the army. But eventually he uh, ran away from the army and became a bookseller. Um, and then at 40 years old, he decided, you know what? I'm going to stop doing this bookseller stuff and, uh, you know, start working in, in the hospital. In fact, he founded his own hospital, um, like in a like small little hut, basically. Um, he lived as a servant of the sick, um, and this is in Spain. So he's, he's from Spain. Um, so if you ever are in the town of Granada, that's where he's, he did most of his work. Um, he founded uh, the Order of Brothers Hospitallers, um, which is an order, a community devoted to the infirm, like the sick, serving the sick as he did. Um, and going back to that impulsive charity, like he died um, of pneumonia after trying to save a boy who was drowning in a raging river. So he like jumps in, and yeah, he can't he can't save the boy, and he dies in the process. Mm. Not even from drowning, just from getting sick from the cold water. So this, this uh, so yeah, so that impulsive charity of like being willing to give without counting the cost. Yeah, sometimes you gotta just jump in when you know it's right, <laughs> which is scary. But I don't know. I feel like for me, the times that have been most scary when God said jump in with both feet, you know, He was always there to catch me. Mm -hmm. So, St. John of the Cross, a beautiful Saint, example of... St. John of God. Oh, of God, my bad. Yeah. There, are, there are a lot of St. John's. Right. There's St. John of God, St. Yes. John Chrysostom, St. John of the Cross, St. John, John the Evangelist. The also good. St. John of the God, but, really great example. Jumping in both feet, being active, maybe being in the wrong place, but running away, getting to the right place at the end of the day. Yeah. Diving right in, which is what we do at every on every podcast here. Uh -huh. Um... So, now we're going to move on to the Lyrical Lift segment. Um, so, this week, um, our song is Lose Somebody by One Republic and Kygo. And so, some of the lyrics that I really took away from this is, like, the, starting with the first verse. Like, it's a classic me mistake. Someone gives me love, and I throw it all away. Mm -hmm. And leading into the pre-chorus, I guess you don't know what you've got until it's gone. And of course, the chorus. Sometimes you gotta lose somebody just to find out you really love someone. Um, so when we apply this to spiritual life, like we all make this mistake with God, right? Whenever we sin, um, especially if we commit mortal sin, right? Like He always He's always giving us love, right? Because He is love itself. Right. But yeah, we we throw it all away, um, mm -hmm. a lot. <laughs> Um, especially, like I said, especially if we commit mortal sin, we, like we take, we take him for granted and we, we leave him. But when we do leave though, he'll, he always gives us the grace to realize that we didn't know what we had with him. Um, when right. we threw it away, that kind of desolation, those low points that Job and David were at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's up to us. It's up to us to accept that grace and repent which is, uh, you know, we're in the season of Lent right now. It's all about, like, turning ourselves back to God mm -hmm. and repenting, right? And, and when we do that, we, we oftentimes discover that we really do love him. 
um, and we grow stronger in that love. Um, so if ever you feel like you've thrown it all away, come back to God. Go receive his mercy, especially in the sacrament of confession and especially during this time of Lent because that's what Lent is all about. <laughs> and learn to love him even more strongly than you did before. You'll be glad you did. Is the reason for the season turn back? Remember, yeah. you were dust. <laughs> any any other thoughts, Christian? No, I mean, I've never heard this song, but yeah, just the themes of having love and not appreciating it. Definitely at the core of what it means to be tempted. We don't see the love in that time. We see the tempting object, and so we throw it away because we're not thinking about it. So keeping that love at the forefront to prevent that. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Christian. Thank Thank you you for your time. Um, A few final things before we wrap up. First, if you liked what you heard, or even if you didn't, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star review. This will help us reach more people and get the good news out to a world which desperately needs to hear it. Second, We want to hear from you, dear listeners. Please, we want to hear from you. If you have any questions about anything we've discussed on this episode, previous episodes, or anything in general, please send them via email to laymanshomily at gmail.com. That's L-A-Y-M-A-N-S-H-O-M-I-L-Y at gmail.com. And finally, please pray for us and know that we are praying for you through the intercession of the patron of this podcast, St. Joseph. God bless you this week, and we look forward to speaking to you all next week. This has been The Layman's Homily.